Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. Um, we got espresso flowing through the veins, so it's going to be a weird episode again, maybe like slightly higher energy than lower energy, um, but we're always here, we're weird, we're cool, um, we're feeling it, you know, so it's just like, I'm talking to you guys, the listeners, the viewers, but like realistically, I'm just talking to myself in my apartment, so I mean, I'm always like a fan of like more is more with podcasts like I'm already here for it you know some I don't need a two-hour episode every week but like when my favorite murder or something else launches like a two-hour episode I'm like okay nice um like but I'm all I guess they have two people but I'm like who can talk for that long to themselves without just like feeling like who the fuck cares what I'm saying and also like what kind of weird shit is gonna come out the longer we talk the weirder the shit's gonna get um, but hello, how are you? Um, as I mentioned in last week's episode, I beat COVID. Um, I was diagnosed, we don't need to go through it again, uh, tested negative, I'm sorry, tested positive um, prior to Thanksgiving, had about eight to ten really kind of shitty days, mild symptoms, but just felt like a really shitty cold. Um, and then I tested negative last weekend. Um, so I'm basically back to normal, maybe like slightly decreased energy, but it's also like winter and it gets dark at 4 p.m. I mean, it's still like 70 degrees here, but who knows? Um, But yeah, I beat COVID, so kind of still riding that high. I mean, we're still, of course, being extremely cautious. Cases are going up every day. This is your weekly COVID update. Um, But I'm reading. I'm reading. um, I'm listening to music because Evermore dropped, like Taylor Swift, just like, she was like, you know, folklore isn't enough which I've still, like, been listening to on repeat, you know, been the album of the quarantine. She's like, that's not enough. You know, I'm going to give you a whole nother album. Not even just, like, here's another single or two. No, this girl, this woman freaking brought it. Um, Evermore, I think, has, like, 17 tracks. It is the sister companion to Folklore. I'd say it's a little more, uh, I don't even, I don't know. It's a little more like the the wild one. I mean, folklore, I don't want to say it was reserved, but it was very, you know, like moody, broody, introverted. Um, and I think that there's a little bit more of, whoops, it's the extroversion on, um, on Evermore, but I, uh, initial favorites are Nobody, No Crime, featuring Haim, um, Cowboy Like Me, Ivy, um, I've listened to it, I think, like, two or three times at the time of recording, um, because while I wasn't listening to that, I was, binge watching Amazon Prime's new TV show, The Wilds, which is freaking fantastic. Like, definitely one of my top 10 shows of the year. Um, had high, had high promise for it when I saw the trailer a few weeks ago. Um, The Wilds is a 10-part series on Amazon. Um, it's kind of like Mean Girls, Lord of the Flies meets Lost. Um, a group of teenage girls are, uh, a diverse teenage girls. Um, you know, we got some lesbians, we got, you know, some Texans, we got some Native Americans, we got some, uh, norm, normal girls, there's an Indian girl, um, and they, they're playing crashes, and so they're, like, stranded on this island, um, but we quickly find out that that's, you know, not, that was pretty intentional, and it's, like, part of this larger experiments, psychological experiment that's being done on them. That's not really a spoiler. Um, it's just fascinating to watch. I mean, teenage girls are, fascinating to, you know, I was one, <laughs> lived through it, been there, done that. Um, but I love reading sociocultural and anthropological stuff, especially when you have that many girls in one concentrated area together um, without like, you know, what what will they do with that on their own? Can they survive? Can they thrive? 
Um, it, it initially and still reminds me of um, the book Bad Girls by Alex McCauley, um, which was uh, iconic part of their part of the iconic MTV teen publishing series. Um, I, there was definitely like a few years in my life where I read like everything that that MTV publishing series put out. Alex McCauley did a few books. Um, Bad Girls I loved. It was like about these girls going on this retreat and then like one of them like breaks an ankle or they get separated and then they have to like fight to survive and they're dying. And I was like very um, like fun and thrillery survivor. Um, huge fan of Lost. I have my first tattoo was Living is Easy with Eyes Closed, um, which is lyrics from the song. Strawberry Fields Forever, big Beatles fan, um, but also the character Charlie, uh, the actor Dominic West from Lost, um, had it has it tattooed on his arm, and I was like, I freaking love that quote, and um, maybe we'll do like a tattoo episode or stories behind my tattoos one day because I have eight, I think, uh, yeah, eight. Um, so maybe we'll do that. A couple of them are NSFW, so you can't see. Um, but that, yeah, that one was my first one. I think I was like 19 or something. I was a sophomore in college or it was going to the summer of sophomore year. Cause that's actually what I binge lost. I was a little bit late to the game. I watched it all the summer between freshman and sophomore year of college. So that would have been like 2013. Um, yeah. And then I was like, I just want this tattoo and I did it and I, I love it and I haven't ever had it ever since. Um, so the wilds, um, it takes a lot for me. I mean, naturally I'm always just looking at my phone randomly unless I'm like really at a movie theater, RIP, hopefully coming back soon, or just like super, super engrossed. But it takes a lot for me to like not really look at my phone, not kind of be like reading or like writing a blog post or like multi-minding and doing something else. Um, But The Wild was like a fully like I'm not reading. I will occasionally look at my phone to like text my friend Addie about it or post on Instagram about how amazing it is. Um, but it was like, it was 10 episodes, it was engrossing, captivating, I really got to know the girls as three-dimensional characters, and the psychological stuff was like a little, it, it was also like, it just was wacky and absurd, and like, that's what we want on TV. I don't need to see teenage girls in high school, I mean, yeah, that's pretty engrossing in itself, but like, been there, done that. I want to see teenage girls trapped on this island where like, realistically, there's no way they would actually survive and be this uh, resourceful. I mean, like, maybe they would, but uh you know, where like are their parents concerned like lots lots of loopholes and questions but like you kind of just let them go because like the show embraces it and I think we need more um tv shows like that also see the flight attendant um I think the finale will be out at the time that this episode drops but at the time of recording still waiting for the finale another wonderful just like absurd like one wrong decision after another like Hitchcockian thriller with all the melodrama of like New York City and it's just like that's another freaking fantastic top 10 of the year um but you're here for the books probably or you're here because like you're my mom and a fan or something so hi um before I forget if I don't say it at the end of the episode please make sure um if you are watching this on YouTube that you not only subscribe but that you also subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify um Apple Podcasts I think is the slightly more important one I mean no shade to Spotify I'm a user I'm a fan that's how I listen to Taylor Swift and everything um but I do prefer to listen to my podcasts on Apple Podcasts for some reason it's just like I can subscribe and keep them all in one place and they instantaneously update um so if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, go subscribe on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, go subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And then if you could, please leave me a five-star or, you know, it doesn't have to be five-star, but if you want to leave me a review, preferably five stars, um, that would help immensely. Um, send me a screenshot if you do that and I can hook you up with like some, maybe I'll mail you a book. Maybe I'll give you some customized recommendations, but it would help out immensely. So go ahead and 
give that a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And then also make sure you follow me on Goodreads and Instagram at I like to read pod. Um, Instagram, I'm not as good about it as I should be, but I do sort of do like, here's what I'm reading now and teasers for the episodes. And as we get more special guests, like special things for them. Um, and then Goodreads as always. So you can see what I'm reading in real time, reading and rating and uh, interacting with other people, what I want to read and all kinds of stuff, you know, social media for book lovers. So without further ado, we will get into today's episode. So our first book is called The Office of Historical Corrections, a novella and stories by Danielle Evans. Y'all know I love a good short story collection, and Danielle uh, does not disappoint. Um, A lot of the stories have to deal with race um, and women's relationship to race and their identities and their bodies. The Office of Historical Corrections is the titular novella. It's about 100 pages, so a little less than half of the book. Um, And it's about these two women, and they work for this fictional department called the Office of Historical Corrections, where they kind of are like the health department, but they go out into the world and they correct little things. Like if you see a historical plaque that says, you know, this man died in 1889 and she'll, you know, leave a sign or there's, I'll give you a better example, one that's actually in the book um, that she goes into a bakery and there's like a cake about Juneteenth and like the celebration of the holiday and they just have it completely wrong. And she's like, actually, no, it's like a Texas hall. And she, so it's also like making political points while it's uh, a government job. Um, But then she gets reunited with an old friend slash rival from childhood um and so then the relationships that develop between them while also like being surrounded by this sort of surreal uh fictional department that gives a good excuse good device to move them closer together um that one slaps um another really good one and i had to you know pull up pull up the good reads so i don't forget um boys go to jupiter is about a young girl who posts a photo of herself wearing a Confederate flag bikini um, and doesn't really see any problems with that. Um, And so then, you know, naturally that doesn't go over super well at her college. Um, And so it's a little bit like Dear White People in the sense that it, you know, shows her life and sort of how she got to that point because clearly, you know, there are ramifications that come with that, but it's also not the sort of thing that you wear without having some sort of intention, whether it's, you know, a political statement or just for fun, you know, there's layers behind that. Um, so we get to know her as well as sort of the forward transgression, the forward progressions of um, what happens because she just wears that. So, and that's, you know, we we see a lot and hear a lot about Confederate flag, you know, oh, this college window had it up. Um, but I think also just the, the lasting image and also sort of what it says about a girl, a white girl wearing that bikini. And it's... it's uh, very nuanced and very well done in that story. Um, there's a couple other ones. There's one called Alcatraz, which is about um, a young man who was wrongfully convicted of a crime in the army. So his family is like reuniting to uh, sort of right the wrongs of his um, – what's the word? Uh, wrongful conviction. Um, and they're all just very well written. I mean, some of them I wished – would have been a little bit longer. And I will say the only thing is I do think that the Office of Historical Corrections, while being a novella, was fantastic. Could have been slightly tightened and been a short story in a few of these. I wish had been a little more expanded. Um, but either way, it's a great collection. Um, great to give to someone for the holidays. Um, again, great short stories are great if you just want to dive into one a night. If you want to read the whole thing in one or two days, you can really feel like you've accomplished quite a bit. I mean, reading a sh- and you know you get to know so many different characters and so many different worlds i'm going to talk about another short story collection shortly um 
No, I was going to say more than one of these, but I think it's just – we have a collection of essays, more of a memoir, so that's different. Anyways, that's that's the Office of Historical Corrections. Um, next, we have No One Asked For This, essay, Essays by Cassie David. Um, Cassie David is Larry David's daughter. Uh, Larry David is the king, uh, known for Seinfeld and my personal favorite, Curb Your Enthusiasm, just, you know, Hollywood's irreverence no fucks given Jew. Um, so Cassie is his older daughter and she's probably most recently famous and known for having dated Pete Davidson for a couple of years. Um, Pete Davidson, who then famously dumped her and like literally the next day or like that same day, like started dating and got engaged to Ariana Grande. Um, so she is very aware of her privilege, aware of, uh, you know, it's, you enter this knowing, like, yes, it's a celebrity's daughter, but it's, like, who is that beyond, you know, it's not really, like, my dad is famous, and there is a really great chapter about her actually working on set as a PA on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm and the nepotism and the sort of, like, what is it like to work for my dad who's such a strong powerhouse, but really you get to, like, you know, he's just a background figure. They live together. She lives with him for quite a few years, and I'm very close with my dad, too, so it was really nice to just, like, hear or you know read her explore her father-daughter relationship um in such a way that you know for this man who is such an icon and for his daughter who i really didn't know anything about except the pete davidson stuff before reading this um she's a great writer she's dealt with mental health stuff that of course comes along with the burden of growing up in the spotlight and also sort of just like wanting to find and develop your own artistic self within um the world of like knowing that you know you're in the spotlight with not only your father then her relationship was very public and then to very publicly go through that breakthrough breakup and try to grieve which you know most people know is not easy and then especially when that ex moves on so quickly you know another blow and then so quickly not only to someone so incredibly famous that it's like splashed everywhere but then gets engaged um so it really you know she doesn't shame or slam p davidson at all but you do get to look into sort of a you know, tabloid famous moment and get to see the gray um, in between the black and white. So um, she's super, you know, she's a millennial. So it's, you know, snappy and quirky, but it's also very like raw and definitely revealing um, for fans of Larry David or for fans of people who, you know, like to explore the the depth behind the, th- uh, the one dimensional facade that a lot of people put up. So that is No One Asked for This by Cassie, Dave- Cassie David water break next we have head over heels by hannah orenstein um i don't read like a ton of romance this is this is like a fun like rom-com novel um i used to dwell more in that sort of vein i think i don't know just my tastes change and you know it's hard to find one that isn't like super cheesy and like predictable and like of course that happens like I was you know into Nicholas Sparks and that stuff for a while um but I think what makes Head Over Heels really great is it's just sort of like a it's a coming not coming it's a personal growth story um that doesn't use the love as like a savior it's just something that also like helps enhance our main character um so Avery is a former U.S. Olympic um, gymnast who goes through an unfortunate accident um her Olympic dreams get crushed um then she also has a very public breakup moves home and then is, you know, moving home is hard no matter what, especially when you've had this big fall from grace. Um, She gets an opportunity to train a young up-and-coming new Olympic gymnast. And of course, the coach is someone that she used to train with. And so they embark on a relationship. um, And it's great because I think the relationship is messy. It's not perfect. We 
you know, we know that they're going to get together at the end. It's not really a like, will they or won't they? But it's like, how will they? And to see the growth that Avery makes throughout just this 300 something page novel um, is wonderful. It also takes place in Massachusetts um, in a area like this sort of Middlesex, central Massachusetts area or mid Metro West um, Massachusetts area. So I always appreciate that. Um, I think it's also, you know, there's a little bit of like a me too and a coming to terms with past traumas. Um, There's like a little bit of the Tanya Harding um, story and aspect to it. Um, I'm not as familiar with U.S. Olympic and gymnast, but it's also, it's really crazy to think about, you know, training and living your whole life with this one insanely pur- insane purpose um i just watched in the wild um there's a character named rachel um who is tra- training to be an olympic diver and they say something like 0.001 of people even make it to the olympics and then if you make it to the olympics even if you get a gold medal it's like great especially with most of these sports it's uh very easy to age out especially with gymnastics like the younger the better um but then what do you do with your life after that and how do you let this insane passion that you have, which, you know, if you've been working this long and for this many years on it, naturally you have some sort of affinity to it. It's not so easy just to let it go. And how do you shape and let that inform your future life? Um, So the growth that Avery goes through is very, I mean, I will never be a gymnast or the level that she had, but the growth and the resilience and the, uh, the power of like learning to find yourself again is all very relatable and slightly cheesy again, because we're dealing with a romance novel, but if I can handle it, you can handle it. So that's Head Over Heels. Um, next, we have The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Deesha Filia. Um, this is another collection of short stories, a really snappy one. I think it's under 200 pages. Um, each story deals with, as the title states, um, The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. These are all women who go to the same church, um, and we explore their lives and just the things that happen to them um, in the way that we don't get to see. Just, you know, we see people at church every week, and we assume everything's fine, but what's the story um, behind them? And so there's four generations of women in this story. So there's young girls, there's uh, older women. I think my favorite uh, story in this was called Peach Cobbler. And it's about a young girl whose mother is pretty absent, um, works long hours, enters into an affair with the minister, um, and always makes a peach cobbler for him every week and doesn't leave any for her daughter. So the peach cobbler uh, then becomes something that her daughter like strives to make to connect with her. Um, long story short, the daughter gets like embroiled in the minister's family. Um, the peach cobbler is like a huge metaphor and symbol. Um, but they're just really like well thought out and developed. Um, there's another one where it's, uh, it's really just, I don't want to give too much more away. Um, but if you're into, you know, the secret lives of everyday people, and if you're into reading, um, different generations and different vignettes of life, um, it's, it's all, like I said, it's pretty short too. So if you want to just read 20 or 30 pages a night, you can really get a good snapshot and a complete story. And then at the end, they all um, present beautifully as a package. Sometimes I do feel like short story collections can be a bit disjointed. I mean, there's always ones that you're going to like more than others, but this one, especially, they all really work so well together. So when you finish them and or you read one, and then you read the other, it just paints, uh, you know, a much more layered nuance sort of like a russian nesting doll where they're all cute by themselves but it's really when you uh take them apart one by one um but still have them as a whole that it fully works so that's that 
And the last one is Little Threats by Emily Schultz. Y'all didn't think I could go a whole episode without a psychological thriller, did you? Just kidding. We've had plenty of other episodes without them. But you you know they're, they're another favorite genre. Um, this Emma Little Threats is about twin sisters, Carter and Kennedy, named after the presidents. Um, Kennedy is convicted for manslaughter um, when they are teenagers in the 90s, a young one of their friends is found murdered. Um, they think that one of the sisters, Kennedy, did it. So she is put in jail for like 15 years. Um, so the novel kind of goes back and forth with the two timelines. We get the 1990s and we get to know Haley, the victim's life um, through the, even though we don't get to ever know her directly, we get to see the girls and their relationships. Um, and then that's dovetailed with Kennedy is just getting out of prison and readjusting to life. Um, so even though there is like an investigation component to it and a mystery, because it's pretty clear that Kennedy, you know, wrongfully was wrongfully convicted, served time and did not do it. Um, so there's the investigation that her sister is more participating in to try to help clear her. But it's also them navigating their own relationship with one having been in jail, one having been out of jail, um, their relationship with their father, their relationship with the family um, of Haley, because one of the sisters is involved with his brother. You know, I love a, I love a multiple timelines. This one, I actually, uh, I didn't fl- like. I, I always like pretty much knew the sister didn't do it. It would have been lame if she had actually done it. Like the undoing. Like, come on, you were fucking with us the whole time just to give us what we thought we what was presented. Um, so I won't, you know, I won't say who the killer is. It does gradually become obvious, but again, I think that's the best is when it slowly unravels. I had a couple of different thoughts at some point, so it wasn't like I knew entirely the whole time. Um, but again, it's like you're, you come for that, but you stay for the complex relationship really between the sisters and between the two timelines and how we grow, but also stay the same in that 15 years. I was born in the 90s and lived z- ages zero through six during it. So I don't remember much. I would definitely say I'm more of like, you know, the nostalgic youth really comes from the 2000 to 2010 era. But I also like to nostalgicize for something that is more of a memory that I've created. Um, So anything having to deal with the 1990s, I kind of have this like nostalgia for something I've never experienced. All right. Um, That is that all over the place, like I said, Um, but we're done. And stay tuned for more fun upcoming conversations with authors and more book recommendations. And until next time, stay reading. Bye.